So I just returned from a trip to the Holy Land with 25 black rockers. And we toured the entire country of Israel in 10 days. We, were, uh, we did it to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. We tried to see it all, and I think we did. We like to say that we ran where Jesus walked, right? <laughs> yeah, we started on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. We made our way up to the Sea of Galilee, and we spent days around uh, the sea and the surrounding area where Jesus did much of his ministry. We followed then the Jordan River down to the Dead Sea, the desert region, the Judean wilderness, before making it to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, we spent time on the Mount of Olives, the Garden of Gethsemane, the Temple Mount, the Wailing Wall, the site of the Last Supper, the location of Jesus' crucifixion, his burial, resurrection, and much more. We indeed saw it all. It was a full 10 days. And as soon as the jet lag subsides, I am eager to return. <laughs> but the greatest benefit of going on a trip to Israel is the ability to like step in to the story. You see, because scripture comes to life like never before. You know, you start to have the 3D experience of sights and sounds and smells. You start to see the scripture come alive, it jumps off the page, and yet you get this layer of understanding that you didn't have before because you've, you've been in the site, you're in the location where the action's taking place. It was awesome. So this morning, I want to try and help you step into the story. I want to take you on a trip to the sights and sounds and smells of a well-worn passage. Probably you've read it before, you might know it well, but there's, there's probably a layer of understanding that you may not have, and this morning if we look into it, maybe we can uncover that understanding, and you can go away here understanding a little bit more deeply what Jesus had intended in this passage. What I really want is I want you to leave here with a greater appreciation, more awe of just how awesome Jesus is. I want to help you step into the story so you realize that our Savior is more amazing than you know. That's my prayer this morning. In fact, I'm going to pray right now. So Jesus, I pray that you would speak to us that this scripture would come alive this morning right in front of our eyes, that we'd see you in a fresh new way, that we'd understand you and your word in a deeper way. We don't seek more information, we seek transformation. So speak to us, change us, mold us, make us more like you, Jesus, this morning. This is our collective prayer. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So turn in your Bibles or your devices to John chapter 5. Gospel of John chapter 5, I'll put it on the screen for you, but it might help if you actually follow it where you generally read the word. And this passage that we're going to look at this morning, it contains an account of Jesus healing a crippled man by a pool, and I confess I've never understood this passage. I've kind of, I got some of it, but I certainly didn't get most of it. Some of the action and dialogue just never made sense to me until until I was on the very site where this action took place just over a week ago. And the setting, the context, the location, the history of this site, it all made it really clear. And I, I like got it. I understood it. And I want to help you understand this passage just a little bit better this morning. Here's how we'll do it. I'll read a verse or two, and then I'll stop and make some editorial comments 
So we're kind of following along the action taking place, and we'll move through the passage that way so that hopefully by the end of our morning, you will have an understanding deeper, better, clearer than perhaps you started with, okay? That's what we're going to do. So we're going to jump in, starting in verse 1 of John chapter 5. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? That's a strange question, don't you think? Do you want to get well? Does that question even need to be asked, really? Let's recap the action so far. So Jesus is in Jerusalem, one of the Jewish feasts, and he's walking near a pool that's not far from the Jewish temple, close to one of the gates into the city named the Sheep Gate. The pool in Aramaic, which was the common language of the day, is translated Bethesda. It means place of mercy or house of mercy in Hebrew. The remains of this pool are still there today. Our group visited this site over a week ago, and we can confirm it is indeed near the Sheep Gate and rather close to the Jewish temple. We were right there. We were looking down into this ancient pool. And the text tells us that a great number of disabled people used to lie around this pool. There was a man there who was disabled for 38 years. 38 years. Let that sink in. The text says that Jesus learned of this man's plight, and he asked him, again, this rather strange question, do you want to get well? I think the only thing stranger than the question is the man's response. Read it with me in verse 7. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me in the pool when the water is stirred. When I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. What is he talking about? He didn't even answer Jesus' question. What, what is this about getting into the pool first? Let's, a little explanation is probably needed here. First, as we step into the story, tell me, what do we know about this guy? Well, we know he's been disabled for 38 years. I got to believe if you're laying around a pool for 38 years, you've lost much of your hope for a healing. I got to believe there's not a whole lot of hope left that he's going to walk again. But he's there. What else do we know? Well, we know that he doesn't know who Jesus is. Did you catch that? Look at it. He addresses Jesus as sir, not teacher, not rabbi, not by his proper name, but sir. In fact, we'll confirm that this guy has no idea who Jesus is just a little later in the text. Here's what else we know about the man. Take another look at verse 7. He says, I have no one. No one to help me. I have no one to help me. This guy believes he's all alone. No family, no friends, no one to look out for him. I wonder why. I wonder why this guy has no one. I mean, maybe all his family and friends have given up on him. They've given up hope for a healing after 38 years. And so they've all bailed on him. That, that would make sense. That seems reasonable. Or maybe 
maybe this guy's a real jerk to be around and no one wants to help him. Maybe he's the guy around the pool that everyone tries to avoid. You know the type, cranky, whiny, complaining, critical. You know what? Maybe disappointment of 38 years has made him angry, frustrated, and bitter, right? His response to Jesus kind of sounds whiny, doesn't it? I have no one to help me. Sounds like a bit of a whiner. I avoid those people, by the way, so don't take it personally, but I avoid, you know, the whiners. Who wants to be around a whiner and a complainer when you're surrounded by scores of disabled, broken people? Nobody. Or maybe, maybe he's an outsider. Maybe people avoid him not because he's cranky or whiny, but he's different. He's from a different place. He's a different breed. The text doesn't say yet, but maybe, maybe it'll tell us a little bit later. One more thing needs to be explained from verse 7. Uh, it's the legend associated with this pool that every once in a while, the gods would stir the water. The gods would send an angel to stir the water. And the legend said that when the water was stirred, the first one in the pool got healed. That's what the legend said. You see, this pool was part of a pagan healing center known as an Asclepion, a healing center dedicated to the Greco-Roman god of well-being and health, Asclepius. When our group visited this site a week ago, we not only saw the pool, but we saw the pagan temple attached to this pool complex. And the pagan temple directed its worship to this pagan god of health and his two mythical daughters, Hygieia and Panacea. You can hear in their Greek names our modern terms for hygiene and panacea, mean cure-all. They're health terms. See, there, are, there were over 400 Asclepion healing centers in the Roman world during the first century. This one just happened to be the Jerusalem branch. You wouldn't know it from the text, would you? But when you're there, when you're on site, and you see the pool and the remains of the temple and how the worship was directed to these pagan gods, you get the pagan connection to this pool. So Jesus is walking near this pagan healing center, this pool. He sees an invalid who's been there 38 years, and he asks him the question, do you want to get well? The man responds by saying he has no one to help him into the water. He can't get in there quick enough, so he has not received his healing. Back to the action in verse 8. So then Jesus says to the man, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. Now that's amazing. That's crazy. 38 years lying by the pool and Jesus comes around and with a word heals him. Imagine if you were there. Yeah, imagine if you were there. How would you respond? How would you react? You would go nuts. You would be celebrating. You'd be dancing around. You'd be praising God. You'd be saying, who is this guy, Jesus, right? Anybody would be. Of course you would. Well, apparently there were very few eyewitnesses. In fact, there were certainly no Jewish people who witnessed this amazing miracle. You know how I know? Look at their response in verse 10. The day on which this miracle took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath. Jewish law forbids you to carry your mat. <laughs> right? This guy is upright after 38 years of lying on a mat, and they're saying, hey, hey, 
You can't carry your mat on Sunday. They didn't see this miracle. They couldn't have. Nobody in their right mind would say, if they saw it, you know what happened? A Jew would say, whoa, 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 no, you, you wouldn't believe what just happened. This guy's been here 38 years, he got healed. They would explain it, they would defend him. Instead, the Jews are calling him on this Sabbath law, this tradition that doesn't allow you to work on the Sabbath. If they had seen the miracle, they would have defended the man. They wouldn't be calling him out on a simple work on the Sabbath law. I'm telling you, a Jew did not see this healing. Perhaps there were no other Jews around the pool. Okay. Secondly, what else do we know about the response? You know what we know? We know that the guy who was healed, he is Jewish. He's a Jew. Because the Jewish leaders were charging a fellow Jew with violating Sabbath law. Jewish law didn't apply to Romans or Greeks or any other Gentiles. So it appears that these Jewish leaders, they didn't know he was the paralyzed guy of 38 years around the pool, but they did recognize him as a fellow Jew. As a fellow Jew, they called him on it and said, you can't carry your mat on the Sabbath. They didn't see the healing. They just saw him violating their tradition. So we know he's a Jew. Back to the text, verse 10. The Jews said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath. Jewish law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, hey, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away in the crowd that was there. When the formerly disabled man is scolded for violating Sabbath tradition by carrying his mat, his defense is, the one who made me well told me to pick up my mat and walk. The Jewish leaders said, who is this guy? Who told you that? Who told you to pick it up? Verse 13, the man who was healed had no idea who Jesus was. No idea. Just a sidebar, just think about this for a minute. How awesome is Jesus that he heals a guy who's probably lost all hope for a healing after 38 years. He heals him before being asked to be healed. He heals him before this man has demonstrated any faith in Jesus' healing power. He heals him before the guy even knows who Jesus is. How awesome is our Savior that he reaches out to people. Yeah, he sees the man, he has compassion on him, he loves him enough to heal him, Right, speaks the word, the man is healed, and the guy doesn't even know Jesus' name. That's the kind of savior we have. He's more awesome than you and I know. Amen. Amen. All right, so back to verse 14. Get this, it jumps right in. Later, Jesus finds the man at the temple and says to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse will happen to you. That verse, I've never understood that verse. What is that all about? Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. I didn't understand it until I was on site and I could see the action literally unfold before my eyes. You don't look like you're getting it. I'm looking at you. I don't think you get it yet. So here's what we'll do. Back to the top of the story. We're going to run through it one more time. You and I are going to step into the story and you're going to see exactly how awesome Jesus is as we do one more run through and you're going to see it because we stepped in. Sound good? So from the top, Jesus is in Jerusalem for a Jewish festival. He's passing a pool. This pool is part of a pagan health complex dedicated to the Greco-Roman god Asclepius and his mythical daughters. 
Jesus learns of an invalid who's been paralyzed 38 years who's lying at the side of this pool. This man is a Jewish man looking for healing at a pagan, pagan health center. He's a Jew who has apparently jettisoned his faith in the one true God. He's given up on the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because he's looking for healing at a pagan health center. He's calling on this pagan God to heal him if, by being the first one in the water. You know, maybe he feels forgotten by God. Maybe he is disappointed because God hasn't healed him yet. Maybe his disappointment has stolen his hope. Maybe he thinks God is moving too slow or his healing isn't coming, so he's taking matter into his own hands. No matter what, here's what this man is doing. He's lying here day after day believing a myth, believing a lie. The legends associated with the pool that claims that healing is in the water. Jesus sees the man, has compassion on him, and says, do you want to get well? He might have just as well said, how's this working for you? And the man reaffirms his faith in the pagan myth by saying, I can't get in quick enough. That's what I need to be healed. Jesus, undeterred by this man's misguided faith, says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And the man is immediately healed and he walks. There's no eyewitnesses to this healing, no Jewish eyewitnesses at least, because no good Jew would set foot in a pagan healing complex, that's for sure. Because being in this place signifies a total rejection of the God they worship, a total rejection of his faith. No dependence on the God of the Bible anymore. Being in this place is a detestable practice for Jews of worshiping lesser gods, pagan gods, false gods, abhorrent to anyone who worships the God of the Bible. You see, this is a desperate, wayward Jewish man who has abandoned his faith and he's looking for God in all the wrong places. And it doesn't stop Jesus, doesn't deter Jesus, doesn't matter to Jesus. Jesus says, I'm going to heal this guy anyway, and he does, with a word. The man gets up, leaves, no one else has seen it. A couple of Jewish leaders call him on carrying his mat. Get this, Jesus finds this guy later at the temple. The temple, where good Jews worship and pray to the one true God. He's back at the temple, so apparently his faith is restored now that Jesus has healed the man. And Jesus warns him, now that you're healthy and whole, stop sinning. Stop looking elsewhere for your well-being. Don't lose faith in God because you haven't seen a healing yet. Or you wanted circumstances to change and it hasn't changed yet. Don't lose faith in God. Stop putting your faith in gods who cannot heal and believing myths that aren't true. Jesus, that's right, Jesus says this. He says, you know what? You believe that healing's in the water Healing is found in the living water. I'm the living water. Amen. You're looking in the wrong place, sir. Amen. That's what Jesus tells him. Jesus says, look no further. I'm the living water. You want to get well? I'm here. You find it in me. Man, that's a good word. Amen. In fact, the truth is, you know what? Part of stepping into the story is letting Jesus ask that question of you. Do you want to get well? That's the question he's asking of you today. How about you? You gonna get well? Some of you feel forgotten by God. Some of you, your disappointment has stolen your hope. God's moving too slow. You haven't seen your circumstances change. You haven't seen that healing come through. You still have that wayward child. Your finances aren't in order. Maybe your disappointment has taken away your faith. 
Maybe you're disabled by disappointment and you become angry and bitter. Maybe you're paralyzed by fear, a fear that you'll never be well, that it'll never get better, that God's never gonna respond to your prayers. And Jesus is here to say, hey, look, I see you. I still have compassion for you. Even if you're looking in all the wrong places, I have not given up on you. I can heal you. The question is, do you want to get well? Because if you do, you come to the living water, and I'll heal you, heart and soul. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online, and we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.